This is a BYU Sports Nation reviewable special. The 1983 football season presented by the BYU Store. Now from Studio B, here's your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. This is BYU Sports Nation, the reviewables. Our focus today, the 1983 BYU football season. This special presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with 1983 hospital rookie, Jerem Jordan. Yeah, something like that. Uh, Might have been born during the season, but uh, we've wanted to do this for a while, the reviewables. So let's look back at some of the great seasons, games, players, and 1983 was amazing. We've had offline conversations, some on the air, about how good this team was. And we'll break that down over the next hour, not to mention chat with Steve Young, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, who was the quarterback and best player on this team. Over the course of this reviewable series, we're stoked about this, by the way, we will begin our retrospective recap every time with a view from Y Mountain. So let us, BYU Sports Nation, metaphorically hike the Y for a widescaping view of an unbelievable 1983 football season. I'm but- tired right now, like thinking about hiking the Y. <laughs> That is a hard hike. This is going to be a tiring show because there's a lot of material to cover. Let's go. Okay, I think to understand 83, you have to understand 82. Yes, we need to rewind. In 80, it's 79 through 81, BYU finishes 13th, 12th, and 13th in the AP poll. Mark Wilson, Jim McMahon, bang, bang. The pressure is on for Steve Young to be somebody that matters, right? In 82, BYU goes 8-4. and four, But in three of those games, they, they lost close ones and were significant. They go to number six, Georgia. They're up seven with 537 to go. They lose by three. Steve Young threw six picks in that game. What? Uh, yet they're in it. Georgia goes on to be number one all the way into the Sugar Bowl, loses to number two Penn State by four for the national championship. With Herschel Walker, no less. Who wins the Heisman. BYU holds him to 3.9 uh, yards per carry. That was a good loss, if you will, for a, a rebounding BYU team post-Jim McMahon. Air Force comes into the newly renovated Cougar Stadium, goes for two at the, at, on the last second and wins that game. At Utah State, BYU loses by three. They shouldn't have lost that game. First Aggie win in 10 years at the time. And uh, BYU goes to the Holiday Bowl. They lose by 30 to Ohio State, who finished ranked number 12. My point here is 82 wasn't too far off from being pretty stinking good. Not all eight and four records are created equal. That's right. So when they go into 83, this is a team that hung with Georgia. This is a team that just got blew out in the uh, Holiday Bowl against Ohio State, but it was a team that they felt like was talented, and we see that, of course, 83 is amazing. We walk through it. In 84, this team wins the national championship. 85, they win 10 games. This is still a part of the golden era, but here we go into 1983. Yeah, to properly understand the context of just how special 1983 was, all of those points need to be considered. The 1983 football team finished 11-1, and winning the last 11 games in a row. You lose your opener, then win 11 straight. This BYU team featured a runner-up finish in the Heisman Trophy voting by one Steve Young, who, as Jerem mentioned, will join us later in the show, and an offense that led the nation in passing and total offense, setting at the time the NCAA total offense record of 584.2 yards per game. Jerem, 584 yards on 
average a game. This team was so good. They had so many weapons, which we'll break down. Plus, they had a defense. I mean, you could argue that this is the best team to this point in BYU history. BYU had had some one-loss teams already in 79 and uh, 80, uh, but this is this is up there. I mean, you, you could argue at the time, and, and maybe even all time, we'll discuss that. Whoa, better than 84. We're going to chat about the means of this season. The 1983 Cougars beat two teams, two that finished the season ranked in the top 20. That matters. So we've talked about this a lot, this theory of, well, it's not just what it was in the moment. Was that team any good? Some of the greatest wins in BYU history, you look back and go, well, that team wasn't as, as good as they were at the time. BYU maybe you know, upsets them and then they drop off. But this team beats two good teams. And I want to point out that Air Force and UCLA were not ranked at the time, but they end up being really good. And we'll break that down later. Okay, so UCLA, Air Force, both finish in the top 20. The Cougars finish with their highest ranking in program history. We'll have more details on all of this in just a moment. BYU challenged itself in that schedule. A solid Baylor team. The team they lost to was not a bad team. And then, of course, perennial power UCLA in the Rose Bowl in non-conference when UCLA was actually good and not overrated, Jerem. Okay? They actually won actually the actually good. Yeah. Yeah. And the great Air Force team that you just mentioned. Okay. So, you know how to compete a schedule with a schedule like that? It's simple. You just have two consensus All-Americans. BYU had Steve Young and they had Gordon Hudson. And uh, Gordon Hudson is perhaps the most underrated non-quarterback in BYU history because he's the only college football Hall of Famer that isn't Lavelle or a quarterback. So that tells you a lot. Uh, and the day when BYU has somebody else in there, I'll argue for them. But for now, Gordon Hudson was unbelievable. And he was so good that after eight games, he gets hurt in the eighth game. He's still a consensus All-American. That is wild. It's one thing to be an All-American. It's another to be consensus, meaning everyone agrees. And there were like five different services that agreed that both Steve Young, who had an amazing season, and Gordon Hudson were those guys. So BYU had two in the same year. A tight end, by the way. Also within this reviewable series of specials, uh, we will reveal several different thematic elements. Best wins, most iconic moment, peaks and valleys, our high motor guy award, among others, random facts of awesomeness, and of course, ultimately, who or what won the season. So, Jerem, let's roll out all of these elements with first the best win of the season. It's hard to know because Air Force finishes 13th. That's the highest team that BYU beat in terms of final ranking. But then, then, uh, BYU goes on the road to UCLA. UCLA, obviously, with some real street cred, even to this day. And BYU wins that game. I, it's probably UCLA, right? They end up winning the Rose Bowl. They go 7-4-1. and one. That 7-4-1 and one that you think, like, meh. They won the Rose Bowl by 36 points over number four Illinois. What? I was like, Illinois was ranked fourth? What era is this? After that game, they go 7-1, and one, right, um, against BYU. They struggled out of the gate, but they lost to eventual number four Georgia, eventual number two Nebraska, and number seven BYU. So three of those four losses to top seven teams in the final AP poll. Now that's a tough schedule. So UCLA was legit, man. BYU wins in the Rose Bowl against the 1983 Rose Bowl champions. How about that? I love that BYU with their two most impressive wins, took care of business in both instances on the road. Yes, and, and a dramatic Lee Johnson field goal, right, in that one. 37-35, that's a close one. And this is one of the best wins in BYU history. BYU doesn't go on the road and beat top teams that finish in the top 20 very often. It's rare. And it's like, oh, nine Oklahoma, they were ranked third. That team finished eight and five and unranked. Number three, Pitt in 84. That team finished three, seven, and one. This is... 
This was a very good UCLA team. BYU had won big games, and Steve Young had competed well. Like he, he was a known commodity in the college football scene, but he was without that signature win. They almost got it at Georgia the year before. Almost. As we outlined, this, this was very validating. Beating Air Force was the thing that BYU was doing in the WAC. They're in the same conference. And this was peak Air Force, by the way. Like, really, really good. Um, in fact, in 85, Air Force is ranked fourth in BYU wins at home. That's the second best win probably in BYU history by finished ranking, Miami 90 being the other. Th- those were two big wins at the end of the season. Yeah, so he needed the signature win. He got a couple on the road. And this was in front of a relatively large viewing audience. TV audiences were very different in 1983 compared to what they are in our modern-day viewing of college football. But this was a larger audience with more of a higher-scale production. So it was important for BYU to perform well. And I feel like this solidified Steve Young as the real-deal best quarterback in the country. The Bruins finished that season, as you mentioned, Jerem, number 17. So by ranking, yes, it's Air Force, but in context, man, UCLA feels like a really big deal. By the way, this is the only season in BYU history. Where they beat two teams that finished in the AP Top 20. Only one in BYU history. The other one that was very close was the 2019 BYU football season. What? If USC doesn't lose to Iowa in the Holiday Bowl, BYU beats... Two ranked teams. Not only Boise State, but USC that finish ranked. They finish ranked. (laughs) On to the MVP of the 1983 season. An obvious consensus here on the consensus All-American Steve Young. He was clearly the best quarterback in the country. He set 15 NCAA records in his BYU career. He won the Davey O'Brien Award, the Sammy Ball Award to solidify that fact, led the NCAA in total offense, passing and pass efficiency. The dude, I mean, he was just unreal. There's a clear reason he was the number one pick in the USFL draft and such a hot commodity when moving over to the NFL. Yeah, he didn't want to go to your Bengals, so he went to the L.A. Express. I can't blame him for wanting to live in L.A. Look at, look at all the first national rankings there on the right. He led the nation in every category. He was the best quarterback. And He's still he was, getting paid by L.A. He was the second best player. He takes second in the Heisman, right? He completed 71.3% of his passes, 71%, 3,900 yards, 306 completions was an NCAA record. I mean, he was, he was unbelievable this year. Unbelievable. Steve Young and these are the words of Lavelle Edwards, was the best overall athlete that the great coach ever had the opportunity to coach. He said he, he could have coach, played defensive back. He didn't coach Taysom Hill. He could have played running back. He could have played safety. He could have played kicker. He said he could have played anything, wide receiver, defensive back. He felt comfortable putting him anywhere. That's how good of an athlete he was. He is the clear MVP of the 1983 season. Okay, There is an argument that Steve might have been the best running back on this BYU team because it was running backs by committee. Casey Tiamalu, Eddie Stinnett, and Wayman Hamilton. It was kind of like this, uh, well, he's a little bit tired, so throw him in. Uh, Okay, he's run hard for a few plays, throw him in, and that's how they they approached the 1983 season. They were quality, and uh, they did a nice job catching out of the backfield, too. We'll we'll break that down a little bit, but obviously Eddie Stinnett, known more for a pass than a rush. (laughs) And not just one pass, Jerem, which we will chronicle coming up. By the way, Lake Humuli and uh, Vaisekehema, buried down the running back's depth chart in 1983. They end up being way more influential later, right? Each special season is laced with a handful of unforgettable all-time plays, but there's always that one play or one moment. So, Jerem, what's the iconic moment from 1983? It's Stanette Young, the game winner against Missouri. 23 seconds left. BYU is down three, and this happens. 
Running place, enough to throw, throws it back to Young. Young catches the ball! They might! They do score! I made it! Meanwhile, you did it! What a play! What a play indeed. And guess what? They, BYU had run that play earlier in the season successfully, I believe, versus New Mexico. So it wasn't like they just broke it out of nowhere. They had run that. That was Stinnett's second touchdown pass of the year. So what a play. Uh, but it's not the play that it, – obviously, it's the iconic play. There's a play before this that really sticks out. It's fourth and 10 from the 25. BYU opts not to tie the game with a 42-yard field goal. Instead, they go for it on fourth and 10, and this happens. He's back to pass. Here's the throw. It's caught. I think it's a first down. He hit Wayman Hamilton, and Wayman is knocked out of bounds, but he made the first down. Wayman Hamilton. And the play before that, Steve Young gets sacked, fumbles it, and Missouri doesn't jump on it. The, the series of events to get to the point of the play, unbelievable. Like, Missouri had an easy fumble to pick up, did not pick it up. I love the story from LaBelle Edwards saying, he didn't actually know what play had been called when they signaled in <laughs> Stinnett to Young. And he said, it's a good thing I didn't know <laughs> that that was the play that was called. It's not as easy as just throw Hail Mary, right? Three years before. Ah, uh, yes. The throwback from Stinnett to Young to win the Holiday Bowl. All right, we've already made several uh, references to the high moments and peaks of the 1983 season. But let's discuss the peaks and valleys of 1983. Of course, beating UCLA and Air Force, Steve Young finishing second in the Heisman. But how about the ranking, Jerem? Yes, yes. All of those are the best in BYU history up to this point, beating two ranked teams in a season that finished in the AP Top 20. That still hasn't happened. Steve Young was second in the Heisman. BYU had five top eight finishes, and McMahon took third. Uh, in 81. Wilson took third in 79. So this is a peak moment in the Heisman voting as well. Finishing seventh is the highest BYU had ever been ranked in a season at any point. So this is the best BYU team ever in the moment. This was an unranked team and in week six BYU enters the poll at number 20 and then slowly start to climb up towards the top 10. Going into the Holiday Bowl, BYU is ranked ninth they beat Missouri and finished number seven. So this was like, wow, how how good can this BYU football program really be? And is is this as good as it's ever going to get? Little did we know, right, for the next year. I have 12 dudes drafted from this roster, by the way, later in the, in the ensuing next several years, including first-round pick Todd Shell, 24th to the Niners. Of course, Steve Young was the first pick in the USFL draft, later supplemental draft. He goes to the Bucks. That was an unfortunate move. But he goes to the Niners later and wins Super Bowl. He's a pro football holder. All right. Now for the Valleys. And uh, this, there's not an too, obvious not one. Not too many. There's, a, there's an obvious one that came very early. BYU losing to open the season on the road against Baylor, a team that was ranked in the top 20 going into their bowl game. Yeah, that, that, was, that was a quality loss, if you will. Baylor, but disappointing again. 82, they go on the road to Georgia. They lose. 83, they go to Baylor and lose, and Baylor scores like a minute left to win. So that was a bummer. 84, by the way, Baylor comes to Provo, and that's a revenge game. Uh, BYU yes. takes care of business the next Absolutely. Week. The Gordon Hudson injury. It, week eight, that, that was a bummer. BYU still had a lot of uh, talented people, but and that Hudson was the last, being— That was the last of his career. Right. He was done at BYU. He was done, but consensus All-American nonetheless. Man, uh, we told you this 1983 team was really, really special, and we're just getting started. Yeah, and, and one of the valleys was losing Steve Young. That guy was amazing, right? Oh, yeah, that too. This, this amazing run of quarterbacks, and you're like, how could it possibly continue? <laughs> BYU's quarterback the next year finishes third in the Heisman. They win the uh, national championship. Not Coming bad. up, 
the BYU receiver who led the nation in touchdowns, who I don't think we've ever said on this show before. Plus, we're about to come with some serious high heat and present you members of BYU Sports Nation with a scorching take, but one we both stand behind. This is BYU Sports Nation. Reviewables, 1983 Cougar football. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Let's go ahead and pick things back up with our high heat. So brace yourselves for some rather spicy takes. And it begins with this. And I've been saying this for a number of years now, Jerem. And it's a hill I'm willing to die on. I think you're ready to join me on it. We'll see. The 1983 BYU football team is the greatest football team at BYU Ever. Blasphemy! Better than 1984, better than 1980, better than 1981, better than 1996. Yes, this is the best team BYU has ever fielded in the game of college football. Here's why, Jerem. They were 1984, but with a better quarterback and a better tight end. That's a hot take. Okay, Robbie Bosco took third in the Heisman voting, by the way. Steve Young took second. He doesn't have a loss in 84. Listen, 83 is one of the best. It's hard to argue against the national champs, although the way that everything falls is pretty circumstantial. Like uh, if if, (sighs) – well, we'll dive into it in a sec. I I think 83 is one of the top three teams in great history. I'm not sure I'm ready to say they are the best because I think it's hard to argue against 84. I think 96 is pretty good as well. Washington ended up uh, being pretty good that year. 83 is right there, though, absolutely. And, and for the reasons we've outlined, they finished seventh in the AP poll. They had two top 20 wins of final AP poll teams. That's never happened in BYU history besides this. They played a tough schedule, right? Five teams with a winning record. Steve Young was unbelievable. Um, Gordon Hudson, right? A really good defense. Here's the thing. 84 feeds off 83. If 83 doesn't happen, I wonder if 84 happens. Because 83, it's like, oh, we are really good. We can do this. They, and they built off 82. It took, I think it took three years for BYU to go, okay, Jim McMahon's not here. Who are we? And they became something very special in 1983. 1983 started the incredible run of 25 straight wins. The Cougars dropped the opener to Baylor. Think about that. In September of 1983, and BYU doesn't lose another football game until the fall of 1985. It's unbelievable. I mean, this is the greatest run in BYU football history. This is amazing. This period is amazing. If okay, so if you like that, how about this? As far as high heat goes, if BYU beats Baylor, they win the national championship in 1983 because there are no undefeated teams in the country that year. I don't believe this. There were several one-loss teams, and the third place, not one and two, let me argue for the third place team being better than BYU's chances. Auburn was 11-1 and that year. They lost to number five, Texas, only lost. They beat number six, Florida, number four, Georgia, number 15, Alabama, number eight, Michigan. BYU did not play close to that schedule at all. So I think if anyone had an argument... It'd be one and two, let alone number three, Auburn. So BYU could have finished in the top five, but they would not have been the national champion. So an undefeated BYU team, regardless of being the only undefeated team that season, would not have won the national championship. I don't believe so. I think a one-loss Auburn would have had a better conversation because their one loss would have been to number five, Texas, and BYU would not have played that many people that were good. Like, we're saying BYU beat two ranked teams. Yay! They beat four teams in the top 15, right? That finished in the top 15. Finished. 
yeah, legit, there's, right? There's a different yeah. weight there. And and no doubt uh, 84 benefits from nobody else being undefeated, right? It that Ask Auburn in what, 04? Auburn in 04 didn't win the national championship. In 04! And they were undefeated. It just depends on the year. If you had to pit the 83 team against the 84 team, just based on quarterback oh, and skill position. No, that's alone. a whole show. No, there's, no not today. <laughs> not right now. No. Okay, give me some of your hot takes. Okay, beating Air Force uh, you know, might have been better than beating UCLA. I don't, I don't know. Like Going Ooh. to the Rose Bowl was a big deal for sure, but beating Air Force, uh, th- this, is, this is the time when Air Force is really stinking In good. Colorado Springs. In Colorado Springs. Then BYU goes to UCLA. So there's, there's one. This, is, this might be the greatest year of a BYU quarterback. I think Jim McMahon, his 80 was unbelievable. But what Steve did with 71% completion rate and 3,900 yards and ton of, ton of touchdowns and not very many picks, like he, he takes it up a notch. McMahon's 80 was amazing, 4,000-plus yards, 40-plus you know, touchdowns. But Steve Zung's efficiency was unbelievable, and he's a runner. So I would argue maybe 44 rushing yards. I think maybe this is the best year for a quarterback up to this point until Ty Detmer, by the way, in 90. And then uh, Gordon Hudson is the greatest non-quarterback in BYU history. Whoa. Because he's the only college football Hall of Famer. I think BYU's had some amazing players. Gordon didn't have a a very successful pro career. He does go to the LA Express, same team as Steve. He goes to my Seahawks, but he doesn't pan out there. He's a consensus All-American and a a two-time All-American college football Hall of Famer. I mean, argue against those stats, especially the Hall of Famer. I wish we had more time to dig into that, but we don't because we have other things to do, like who gets your high motor guy award, Jerem? Every BYU team has a high motor guy. We should call this the Mitchell Jurgens Award. Uh, it is Kirk Pendleton. Did you know BYU had the leading receiver in touchdowns that year by a guy by the name of Kirk Pendleton? It was not Gordon Hudson. Jordan's dad, uh, Jordan Pendleton's dad, Kirk, Leads the country with 11 touchdown catches. That's awesome. He had 800-plus receptions as well. If he's the high-motor guy on offense, Sorry, receiving yards. BYU's high-motor guy on defense is a man by the name of Marv Allen. 118 tackles to lead BYU on a loaded defense that featured multiple NFL guys, including Leon White and Kurt Gavad. Todd Shell was Todd, amazing. Todd Shell's a first-round pick after this year. Marv Allen led this BYU team with 118 tackles. The general of 1983. BYU had three players with 10-plus sacks, by the way. BYU can't get one player with 10-plus sacks now. They have three in 83. <laughs> Chew on that. Okay. Uh, how about we chew on this? The second best player of the year, a.k.a. the Jackson Emery Award. Clearly, Steve Young's the best player, so Gordon Hudson is the second best player. Gordon, after eight games, as we mentioned, becomes a consensus All-American. You have to have a ton of respect and amazing chops to be a consensus All-American despite mm-hmm. missing the last four games. I mean, I don't know that You've that would... you made a name for yourself. I don't think that would happen. Like, if Chase Young in 2019 didn't come back, he would have been a consensus All-American. It's that kind of level. All right, we agree there. The Jackson Emery Award goes to Gordon Hudson. Okay, coming up, Steve Young joins the program. Why uh, 83 is still something he remembers and what sticks in his crop to this day. Does he agree with us or me? Is this the best BYU football team in history? This is BYU Sports Nation, the Reviewables. BYU Sports Nation, the Reviewables, a 1983 BYU football special continues from Studio B. He is Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. Been a fun ride thus far, and we're not even close to being finished. 
As we mentioned earlier, we have in very calculated fashion determined categories to help us organize our thoughts and memories of these teams, specifically 1983. And personally, the next two topics are going to bring me a lot of joy, Jerem, okay? <laughs> First, we call it checking Cougar Board. <laughs> yes, an ode to Cougar Board. What would have been said on the sounding board for BYU fans back in 1983 regarding this team? I'm wondering after the season if they would have said, uh, we're going to stink next year, maybe? <laughs> like, no Steve Young, no Gordon Hudson. Like, what... We don't know how good Robbie Bosco is at this point, right? He had come up in uh, mop-up duty, but uh, maybe that's one. This is the peak of BYU football. Like, it's not going to get better than this. Ranked seventh, highest ranking ever. BYU had gone through 1979 and gone 11-1 with Mark Wilson, and they had had Jim McMahon. But they still finished, like, 12th or 13th, right? They finally get into the top 10. They crack in. Yeah, we're never going to beat UCLA on the road. Or maybe it's building. I don't know, but it just outlandish takes, right? Yes. Again, these are the types of conversations we imagine we would see if we dared brave a venture into this chat room at any moment during the 1983 season. Also this. I can guarantee you this would be a hot topic on Cougar Board. Lavelle Edwards is leaving BYU for the NFL. That would happen the next year for real because the Lions apparently offer Lavelle. Um, that one rumor said Texas uh, was interested and offered him a job at some point. But, uh, yeah, that. Um, the, the idea that, will it ever be competitive again with Utah? <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Are those not perfect? Peoria was dominant. We're going to stink next year, man. Yeah. Yeah. Just enjoy enjoy the good times. Yeah, and it was awesome, man. And little did BYU fans know, it would be even better next year. That's so crazy. Yeah, how about that? Things got better. Okay, let's throw in some random facts of awesomeness as well. Uh, starting with our guy, Leon White. He had a 20-yard kickoff return once during the 1983 season. Huh? This is a fifth-round pick, guy that's going to play in the Super Bowl later, right? Pretty awesome. Lee Johnson punted a total of 24 times. Um, that's nothing. I'm pretty sure BYU so twice punted a game? 24 times in, like, two games at some point over yeah. the course of one of their following seasons. Two punts a game. Like, Lee Johnson's scholarship check, his money per punt was really high. Also this, Lee Johnson went 11 of 23 on field goals. Lee! What? So I mentioned it earlier, the, the fourth and 10 that BYU passes up a 42-yarder. Do they not trust Lee Johnson? Why, why do they go for it on fourth Lee. and 10? Now, in Lee's defense, he was drafted specifically as a punter. Fifth rounder later. But he was the kicker, 11 for 23. That's I curious. was shocked to learn this. Okay, and then the top three receivers by receptions were two running backs and Kirk Pendleton. Who we mentioned earlier uh, got the my high motor award right for leading the country in <laughs> touchdown receptions with eleven. So so two running backs. BYU just Steve was chucking it to running backs a lot. The Not pen- to mention down the field. The Pendleton name in BYU football. That's Let's Jordan go. Pendleton's Jordan dad, Pendleton. Kirk. Pretty cool. Great stuff. Those are your random facts of awesomeness. Okay, coming up, lots of questions for our next guest, the Pro Football Hall of Famer, the quarterback, the second in the Heisman guy. Steve Young will join us. Oh, yeah, that guy. What happened just before the iconic throwback from his perspective to help BYU win dramatically in 1983's Holiday Bowl? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This is BYU Sports Nation, the Reviewables. 1983 BYU football, the quarterback of that team, 1994 Super Bowl champion of the San Francisco 49ers and Pro Football Hall of Famer Steve Young is joining us via the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Steve, great to have you with us. It's about time 
we added some more conversation to the legacy of this already incredible 1983 team. Yeah, but you got to remember that I've spent the last 30 years uh, people asking me, hey, were you on the na- did, you won the national championship, didn't you? And I was like, uh, yeah, 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 I did. Yeah, uh, I don't think you did. So it's like 83 is one of those years where the regrets are, uh, you know, real, I mean, it's hard because as much as 84 was such a magical year, 83 was super close to that. Ah, and that's why it's, you know, go through it is a little bit overarching pain. And then the rest of it's going to be like a really good, but just know that talking about it reminds me of how at that time, you know, we, 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 if we, you know, and then we should probably just talk about Baylor and just get it out of the way and then move <laughs> on. But, 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 uh, but that was it. That was the Baylor game and Gerald McNeil and that whole thing. I remember of all the games I played in college, I remember that one almost more vividly than anything. I don't know why, Maybe your mind goes to the most painful thing. I, I don't know, but I can, you know, there's other games I remember snippets of. I remember everything, but certain games I can remember the smell. I can remember the, the, the stadium. I can remember, like, vividly the things that went on, and that's one of them. So that sticks in your cross deal because that's the opening game, and if you win that, I mean, maybe you, maybe you, this is the first undefeated team in BYU history. And, but what and may- I mean, we would have, it's so sad, too, and we had, it was the game, I mean, Baylor was pretty good. We just couldn't. It was like a shootout, and Gerald McNeil was this punt returner. He ended up going pro and was very successful. Uh, but Gerald McNeil was uh, uh, this kid. We couldn't we couldn't tackle him on the punt return. And uh, I don't know, you guys have the stats, but I, I want to say that he had like 500 yards in punt returns, <laughs> kickoff returns. <laughs> I don't know, but but to lose that game was I think it was 40-36, and um, uh, and to go 0 one, we were a good team, and I I'd kind of grown into my role. I. My junior year, man, I was just, you know, Jim McMahon had 73 NCAA records, and I was just trying to, you know, I was trying to, a lot of ways, just trying to keep afloat. Uh, but when when we hit my senior year, I was ready to go, and the team was ready to go, and we played really well. Baylor was a good team, and we put up 36 and got beat, and uh, that was a bummer. But uh, some of my best runs, by the way, of all time, <laughs> happened on that AstroTurf. The AstroTurf, you can <laughs> – it left a lot of blood in the in the in the shower in the locker room afterwards, but it was worth it for how quick you could cut. But that was a painful game, uh, and uh, we we end up trying to climb out of that hole in one hole the rest of the year to get into a place where we could win, uh, you know, get the top ten. Uh, our expectation was to be in the top ten. And do you guys know what we ended up that year? I, I number seven, remember. which is the highest yeah. in BYU history up to that point. Yeah, and number seven, and obviously if we're undefeated, we would have. We wouldn't have started in a hole. It took us three weeks to get ranked, uh, maybe a month to get ranked. And if you can imagine, if you get if you beat Baylor on the road, uh, just like when they went to Pitt the next year, be honest with you, the same same scenario, right? You're at Pitt in '84, and Robbie throws a touchdown and wins the game, and now you're starting from a place where you're now ranked day one rather than waiting a month to get ranked. Steve, you win games against teams that finish ranked in the top 20 at Air Force and at UCLA. So if, and I know this is a huge hypothetical, if BYU does beat Baylor and goes undefeated, there were no undefeated teams in the country that season. Would BYU have won the national championship in 83? And 84. <laughs> yeah, there's a chance. There's a chance. and I, I, don't know the, I don't remember the specifics of who did win the national championship, probably Nebraska. Uh, someone like that. Miami and, uh, beat Nebraska. Just, yep. Who was it? Miami beat Nebraska in the bowl game yeah, to win so it. Miami. 
So I just, I mean, it really depended on when, when that loss happened. I mean, it needed, we needed help in 84 to have it all break just the right way, you know, for the rankings and had the timing of who lost when, uh, and that kind of a thing. And then, uh, um, but yeah, when we ended up beating Missouri in the, in the, in the holiday bowl, Missouri was, was Missouri ranked at the time. That would have been a key piece of the puzzle too. They were not. Yeah. So I doubt I, you know, that in that way, it probably wouldn't have broken the same way. Was Michigan ranked in 84? I can't remember that. They were, they were not, they had been ranked as high as third in week three, but, uh, Jim Harbaugh breaks his fell, arm and then right. they kind of go to six and four. Yeah. 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 So may, I don't know. So based on that, my quick analysis, not knowing a thing as I just proven to you. <laughs> 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 it's been a minute. <laughs> Steve, I'm Steve. glad you guys brought me on for my expertise. Clearly, <laughs> I'm adding a ton to this conversation. Steve, I was born the day after the Utah State game in 83, so there you go. All right. Thanks. I'm in a little bit of a midlife crisis. I've had about four of them, but I just like, I'm just not, I mean, I'm, giving, I'm not giving an inch. And when I hear things like that, it makes me super mad you know, because I, I'm like, crap, that's not possible. Is that where I'm at? I refuse. I refuse that. That's that fact. Here's how much we love that team, though, Steve. We wanted to do this show to, to talk about 83. And it's interesting to hear you talk about ah that Baylor game, right? But we've identified a few unique things with this team. It's the highest ranked team ever at number seven. Those two wins over teams that finished ranked top 20, that hasn't happened in any other season in BYU history with Air yeah. Force and UCLA. And then you, are, you finished second in the Heisman to Mike Rozier. Let's talk about that particular part. Did you feel like if Mike Rozier doesn't cross that 2,000-yard uh, threshold, he was just the fourth player to ever do it, that you would have won the Heisman? Um, yes, I do. I think that uh, it was fun to think about uh, – Jim McMahon had paved, well, obviously, you know, Giff and everyone and Mar, everyone had paved the road. But Jim had paved the road nationally uh, to be, um, you know, kind of in that uh, Heisman talk. And it was legitimate talk from day one. And, uh, and we hit the ground running. And I remember kind of throughout the season, you know, we'd win, and then I'd, we'd, we always would wait the next day to see what Nebraska had done. And uh, and Mike just couldn't. I mean, he just couldn't slow down, and there was no there was no break. And uh, and you're right. When he finished at 2,000 yards, there was just nowhere to go. Um, I finished. I don't know. I distance second. Um, I think it was close, but it wasn't close in a way. Like it was like I was definitely not. It wasn't like ooh wow. I was just right there. So Mike kind of smothered it in the end because they, they just, they ran like crazy. And, and, uh, I just remember thinking if somebody could come in and hold him down to under a hundred yards, 150 yards, you know, there's a chance that we could do something, but, uh, it just didn't happen. So I went to uh, New York for the Heisman uh, announcement and, uh, they treated me like a King, uh, until they announced it. And then, uh, <laughs> uh and then I remember they handed me, uh, a sweatsuit, um, that had a, it was a blue sweatsuit pants and a sweat shirt and like heavy, like the old school ones, like my gosh, they had 1950s, you know, and, uh, and it said Heisman. And that was, uh, I walked out in the street, you know, and 
it was over. My parents were like, well, that was fun. I got a sweatsuit. So that's, that's good. <laughs> Steve Young, recipient of the 1983 Heisman sweatsuit with this on BYU Sports <laughs> Nation, the reviewables. You, I, that taught me very early that you win or you don't win. Like, there's no, like, second is uh, pretty bitter. And I, I use that story a lot, by the way, is like, you know, what it means to win. It's like, it means a lot because you end up with a sweatsuit, and that's just not what you're looking for. <laughs> That's but it was, great. you know, and, and in many ways that made, paved the road for Ty when they talk, got talking about the Heisman. You know, it was, a, it was a legitimate Heisman run. And Jim had done that a little bit. And, uh, um, and I think even Mark had a little bit of a Heisman run. I can't remember exactly. But, yeah. uh, but it, I think it played a role in, in when Ty made his big win over Miami and then got a lot of momentum and no one really got close to him. I think a lot of it was, uh, was you know, paved through those times. So I appreciate the 83 team. The 83 team was a really, really good team. And I'm not going to compare it to 84 because that's just goofy. But, you know, it's unfortunate that we didn't go undefeated because I think we kind of had that ability to do it. You don't have to compare it per se, but Jeremy and I are standing together on the hill that we think, based on the body of work and what this team did, especially winning two top 20 games on the road at Air Force and at UCLA, that there is a legitimate argument for this BYU football team to be the best in program history. Well, if there was a bar in Provo, you could go down and have a fight over it. You know, that's <laughs> I think there's one now, Steve. I think there's one. <laughs> well, I always say some of these kind of arguments are like, you know, it's like, oh my gosh. But I mean, that's what makes it fun. But uh, but certainly, um, it don't. I think the point is the '83 team was a f- phenomenal football team, and. Uh, and compared to 84, I mean, that's just you know, in some goofy ways. I see you can kind of play that game. But in the end, we got beat by Baylor. And uh, and Gerald McNeil, I still watch him catching the punt and going, oh, no. Ah! <laughs> uh, and we just couldn't catch him. And that was my own fault. I mean, I think there was a chance to, to win it in the end, and it didn't do it. So, I, I mean, in the end, you know, like most things, in the end, if wishes were fishes, uh, I don't, can't remember why my dad had that one. I can't remember how it ends. But... Uh, <laughs> That makes me look like no, you really are old. <laughs> Good old grit. I love keep, it. But not, not only am I not an expert, I'm super old. So things are going well. Listen, you completed 71% in 83. You're completing around 71% of your thoughts in this interview. So that's, I think that's good, right? I'm right on track. That's Hall that's that's of Fame material. Okay, let's talk about Missouri. So obviously there's the play that you get from Eddie Stinnett. But in reviewing that game, I was caught off guard by two plays. One is the fact that uh, you get blindsided and cough up the ball, and Missouri should have jumped on that fumble. And then the next play, you don't want Lee Johnson to tie the game with the 42-yarder. You go for it on fourth and 10 and Mm. complete it to Wayman Hamilton, and that sets up the play. Those were Mm. two crazy plays, Steve. Nutty. Uh, Nutty. And the desperation that I had personally, um, you know, I, I, when I got to BYU, you know, Jim was there uh, and, you know, Mark had been there and Giffen and like, it just, you know, wears you out and, and, and you, know, you have to win the whack. You have to go to the holiday bowl and then you got to win the holiday bowl and you got to do it dramatically. You know I mean? It's like all these things <laughs> that had to happen to really kind of qualify I mean, people always say, you replaced Joe, Joe Montana. I was like, forget that. I, I replaced Mark Wilson, Gifford Nielsen, and, and Jim McMahon. Don't worry about it. I'm fine. But uh, those few plays, I, I just feel like coaches, we've gotten, we'd gotten blistered by Ohio State last, the year before. We got really beat down. And I think at that moment, there was, a, there was a feeling like, let's just 
let's finish it. Let's do this. And I think, uh, um, and the conversations around it and that, that, that passed away in Hamilton was a nutty. What were we doing? You should be asking, right? Like, what were we thinking to put the game on the line on one play at fourth and 10? Um, we're, I guess we're lucky because we would look really stupid if that didn't work out. Well, it's interesting because uh, Lavelle Edwards said of the iconic play of the throwback from Eddie Stinnett to you that it's a good thing he didn't know exactly what was happening until he was watching it happen because he probably would have lost his mind. But when you get that play call and signal it in, uh, what was the reception in the huddle of, of you running that play, which had worked earlier in the season, by the way, to try and beat Missouri? We liked it. I liked that play. I mean, I, 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 I look to the NFL today – and what they're asking quarterbacks to do, and I love it. And I kind of wish that we would have been more innovative and not just had it be a throwback kind of crazy play. We could have done all kinds of cool stuff that you just didn't think about back then. But this is something that I found completely in my wheelhouse, like throw me the ball. We're going to be fine. And I and Eddie, Eddie, I remember Eddie in the huddle, I, he go, I call the play and goes, Eddie goes, oh, what? <laughs> what do I do? What do I do again? And I go, Eddie, just I'm going to hand it to you. And you can see right there. I said, Eddie, just I'm going to hand it to you. Then you turn and throw it. And like, if you think about it, Eddie made no effort to look like he was going to run with the ball. He was so panicked. He got the ball, and just turned. And then so Bobby <laughs> Bell, an all-American linebacker, Bobby Bell, because Eddie didn't really make it look like it was going to be anything. He just turned and threw it. And Bobby Bell should have intercepted it for, the, for a touchdown. And if you can, you I don't know if I'm kind of catching out of the top of my, my, my sights here, but you can see when Eddie goes to throw it, watch Bobby Bell. He has the ball. Yep. Oh, it's, it's right. And he tips it. So he catches the tip of it. And then I catch the back end of the ball. And, um, and then once, you know, once I catch it, it's over because there's nobody over there. And it's super fun. And you can see, uh, that's me with no, uh, sense of, um, un- unfiltered. This is right now. I am unfiltered. There's completely <laughs> zero filter with no plan whatsoever. Like, I don't know what to do. And it's super odd. But uh, uh, one of the one of the cool things, you know, to, to catch a touch. I just loved it. I loved I wish we would have done way more of it. Um, looking back, I wish that, uh, um, you know, I just think there's the quarterbacks could, you know, I, I could have done a lot of more interesting, cool stuff. It just we didn't hadn't thought of it yet. An iconic moment, no doubt. I think the next time you talk to Lee Johnson, you should remind him that he was 11 for 23 kicking field goals that season, and that's why you went for it on 4th and 10. <laughs> I'll call him today on that one. <laughs> uh, but and I kind of beat him up too much because, you know, he's the biggest loser in NFL history. You know? <laughs> there was a time, I want to say some quarterback, backup quarterback, took his spot, but for a time he'd lost, he'd, he'd suited up, for a team, Cincinnati or Houston or somebody that had lost more games than any other player in the history of the game. He's the biggest <laughs> loser in, in NFL history, which is amazing, right? Because you have to play a lot of NFL games to be the yes. biggest loser in NFL history. But I, I didn't know that about his uh, kicking. LJ was um, uh, his, my nickname for him is RQ Jones. I don't know where that comes from, but uh, uh, he he was the kind of guy that wanted. To, he's like the only thing I'm really interested in is the 75 yarder. You know what I mean? Like I, mm. this 35 yard thing, I don't really care about, but the 75 yard is what I'm looking for. And so, yeah, I, I did not want to put him in front of the 35 yarder. Oh, great stuff. Steve, um, 
needless to say, we appreciate you taking some time with us. Um, a lot of good laughs, and we're, we're grateful that we had the opportunity to put the spotlight on this 1983 team. I appreciate it. I do. I, I actually feel better about it. You guys helped me. It was cathartic. <laughs> um, there's, certain pl- there's certain pieces of my career that I have still throw up in my mouth a little bit every time I hear what happened or what game it was, like the 92 championship game against the Cowboys. Or Oh, sorry. It just happened again. Uh, I, 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 there's times when I just hear in 83, the Baylor game is one of those moments, but I'm, I'm appreciating the fact that, uh, you guys really helped me kind of see the, see the truth of what we did. Cause we went to going to UCLA was huge, you know, and the Rose bowl at that time in the BYU's history was a big deal. So, uh, yeah, there's some really big, good things to think about in, in, in 83 and then 84, as you know, I don't know who was the color commentator for, uh, for BYU TV. Uh, it was you. Oh, yes. Right. <laughs> You guys got to get on that yeah, one. It was you. You got to thank the USFL and, for that one. Yeah. Me and Jay Monson. That's but right. There was one game that it wasn't Jay Monson. It was actually carried by CBS regionally. And then who did I do the game with? I, I don't know. I have no idea. Jim Nance. Oh, no kidding. When he was at KSL? He was KSL. Okay, yeah. And Jim Nance and I were did a pregame thing from the field. And then went to the new elevator because the new, you know, Lavelle Stadium was had the new elevator behind. We went back to the elevator, rushed up to try to catch the beginning of the game because we were on camera and the elevator got stuck. I've heard 15, this story. We've heard this story. Yes. That's epic. For 15 minutes and there was dead air. It was like <laughs> just a game and no one saying anything on regional CBS regional TV until Jim Nance and I got up there. We laughed about that at the uh, AT&T Pebble Beach thing when, I, when we saw each other. Every time we see each other, we laugh about being stuck in the elevator together. And I'm a little claustrophobic, and that's the biggest memory I have is, like, trying to panic in front of Jim Nance. That, like, I got to get out of this elevator. Hello, friends. Anyway, way Give me too much there. information. Yeah. That's for another show that we got to cover more things. But 83, I appreciate You guys are the best. I love listening to you and being a part of any show you ever want to do. Thanks. You got it, man. Thanks, Steve, Steve. Great to talk to you. All right, take care, guys. Steve Young, an all-time interview. Oh, that, that was epic. An all-timer. That was great, man. Like, so much insight, so many memories. Interesting to see that he is, he is not over that Baylor loss, right? And uh, just so many amazing memories and stories. Awesome. Yeah. That was great. Wow. Uh, as always, brought to you on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why, we show how. Coming up, who or what won the season? And we've got a few different answers for this, and uh, they're all deserving. So stay with us. This is BYU Sports Nation, the Reviewables. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, the Reviewables, 1983 football. The focus today, as a reminder, our show is available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Or download the podcast. Just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast, subscribe, rate, and review. We finish with this question. Who won the season in 1983? We have gone through so many memorable moments, iconic scenes. Steve Young was the man, two consensus All-Americans. But who won the season? If it were the modern day, Lavelle Edwards' paycheck. But it wasn't. He got uh, paid beans, relatively speaking, right? Uh, I think it was the 1984 team. I think they really benefited from this experience. And, and realized, listen, let's not lose that one game. Let's win every game. And that was their goal, and they've talked about it. 1984 wins the national championship. Robbie Bosco finishes third in the Heisman voting. BYU's defense, a lot of these guys. This team was loaded, man. BYU lost some big guns from 83, but they returned a lot of talent. And Robbie Bosco ends up continuing the quarterback factory. I think 1984 won this. What do you think? Without question, 1984, 1984's team benefited hugely 
from the table that was set by 1983. There's a real case that Steve Young won this season because he was drafted first in the USFL. He got a $40 million payday for his effort. And as he, he told us earlier, <laughs> as he told us earlier, there was real angst for him to step in in the shadow of Jim McMahon and not just win the whack and go to the Holiday Bowl, but you got to win the Holiday Bowl. And it took win dramatically, several miraculous plays on that final drive for Steve Young to win that game setting the table for him to be the number one pick and make a lot of money. So Steve Young may have just won the season, at least financially, as far as yeah. BYU football is concerned in 83. I think we all won from this season because Steve Young has been such an enjoyable player to watch throughout his career. Like, what BYU fan doesn't love Steve Young? Everybody loves Steve Young. Super nice guy, despite only completing 71% of his thoughts in the interview. He was, he was fantastic. <laughs> he let me dunk on him. It's fine. Uh, he was so good that year. 84 is good. 85 is a good team. They're 10 and 3. Like, whoa, three losses? We've only lost one time in the last two years. But that was still a good team. And then Ty Detmer stands on the shoulders of these guys in 1990 and, and ends up winning the Heisman. I mean, this is, this is the story of BYU football. 83 is right in the heart of that, this amazing run from 79 to 85. No question. We can agree. One of the top three teams all time BYU football yes. history. I don't agree with the hot take of it being the best team ever. I'm willing to put them on that shelf, baby. It's, it's up there. Yeah. Great stuff. What a great show. Steve Young was fantastic. Uh, as a reminder, you can go back and watch that interview in all of its glory anytime you want to uh, listen um, to the, the master recap 1983 football. And I loved particularly how passionate he feels about. The Baylor game. He's man. That got stuck in his craw. I didn't realize that would be a sore spot. By the end of the conversation, he kind of came around to, oh yeah, eighty three, eighty three. He compared it to the nineteen ninety two NFC Championship game lost by the Forty ers to the Cowboys. It's in that area of his mind. Well, think about it for him. If BYU's undefeated, maybe maybe he gets more Heisman votes. He maybe it's BYU in the national uh, for the national championship, and he win the Heisman. Holy Heisman? cow! I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that one, uh, there's an understandable sting there. But we're not focused on that. We're focused on the fact that 83's football team won 11 straight, and we're awesome. All right. Our thanks to today's fabulous guest, Pro Football Hall of Famer, Steve Young. Sorry to Dennis Pitta. No time, bro. No, not even on this show. For Jeremiah Spencer, shout out to Kurt Gavea. Go Kooks!